0: little boy with a red sweater on comes running out of his house and says please let me help you. Let me help you. And the old man says you're so kind. Thank you so much. He helps him to his feet and he says you're such a kind little boy. And the little boy says let me walk you home. The man says thank you. I I appreciate that. The little boy walks the man home. Makes sure he gets in the house. The man looks out the window. The boy is gone. The man goes on another walk the next day. He stops by the house to say thank you and sees that the boy's red sweater is still out on the curb. And he thinks oh he must have dropped it. This is terrible. So he Picks up the red sweater, goes up to the door, knocks on the door, and a woman answers and he says, ma'am, your boy, I believe, dropped this sweater. He was so kind to help me. I fell down and he helped me up and the woman said, This means so much to me. When did you see him? I said, Oh, it was just yesterday. She said, But Timmy's been dead for four years. Oh.
1: Welcome, foolish mortals, again to all Hallows Always,
0: where one night of Halloween just isn't enough. We are your hosts. I'm Jason, and I'm Emily, and we have two special guests hosts with us today. We have Cindy and Stuart. Cindy and Stuart are back. That's right. We brought them back from popular demand.
2: <laughs> oh, I thought it was a dead. <laughs>
1: Tonight, we have kind of a special episode for you. We're going to kind of do our own little, are you afraid of the dark? We're going to sit around the campfire, proverbially, and tell ghost stories.
0: There are 335 days left until next Halloween, so you can add these stories to your repertoire and then tell them in 335 days on
1: Halloween. (laughs) Or before then, you know. That's true. We're not picky. (laughs) As we started, we heard Emily telling a riveting story. Cindy has one that she wanted to tell.
3: There's an old North Carolina story about the
1: porpoise king. There was a man who was walking along
3: the Outer Banks who sees a porpoise that's stranded. So he digs a channel to help the porpoise back out into the water. And the porpoise, as he gets out of the water, comes up and coughs up a ring. That's gross, but Pretty gross. But he speaks to the man, and he says, The ring will give you a wish. Be careful what you wish for. And swims away. So the man holds on to this ring for many, many years. He goes through a lot of adversities. And finally, he is an inn proprietor somewhere on the Outer Banks. And he is in this inn, and there are men in the inn that are planning to rob a man who is a salesman. And the man has many coins in his purse. Now, this was 16, 1700s. Right. So, he has many coins in this one purse, and so they decide that they, they're going to rob him. They know the story of the porpoise king because the inn owner, at some point or another, had too much to drink and kind of let the story go. So, one of the bad men steals the ring, and in his stealing of the ring, decides he's going to rob this man of his purse of money mm-hmm. and then wish that it would multiply.
0: Uh-huh. Uh. Every
3: day. So that's exactly what he does. They knock the man out and. As they're stealing all the things, he grabs up the man's purse that he's seen him put all the money in, and as he's holding it and the ring, he says, I wish this the contents of this purse to multiply over and over and over every day. And when he opened the purse, he found out it was full of straight pins. Ooh. Now, there uh-huh. is a, there's a dune in this area. I don't know because I'd have to look it up where. But apparently, no matter what you do, you dig down, you will find rusted straight pins. Oh wow!
1: Weird,
3: isn't that weird? That's creepy. Oh. And good that's how they story. explained the rusted straight pins. The porpoise king's it's ring got like okay, monkey's but, paw situation. that's yeah, a yeah. monkey's paw. That's yeah. a great story. So they that was like know what you wish for, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the porpoise king did say, "Be careful what you wish for." Yeah. but it wasn't even the guy that rescued him that made the wish.
0: Yeah, that's a good story.
3: Yeah, oh, well, okay. one of the uh, North Carolina is kind of full of old traditions and ghost stories because we are the location of Croatan, mm-hmm. of the the missing, the lost colony. Yeah, we are the location of Blackbeard. Yeah, where Blackbeard did a lot of his there marauding, are
0: and so many Blackbeard ghost yes. sightings, mm-hmm. ghost um, hotspots. Mm-hmm. And um, We We're talked about, about it a little in a previous episode, but there's a lot of, of Blackbeard ghost stories and sightings all along the Outer Banks.
3: What it comes down to is, do you believe that spirits can be stuck on this plane or not?
0: I do. Personally, I do. And I don't know how or why. I don't claim to know that much about it. I have really convoluted theories that you basically need an introduction to physics to kind of even start to understand. But, <laughs> like...
3: <laughs> well, even biblically, there's a point where Jesus talks about earthbound souls. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's enough evidence of people that get they're just, their personality just stamps yeah. in places. Well, and there have been sightings of Uncle Lacey, our, your great Uncle Lacey, yeah. at the old Pilot Life My building.
0: Yeah. yeah, what I find interesting is that if the soul is such an undefined unit mm. of being, but most people agree that your soul is what makes you you. Which a is soul, your thought patterns, yeah, yes. Yeah, a soul or a spirit is what defines you. So, if a fleshy, bony meat bag, <laughs> a.k.a. our bodies, can bind a soul, can hold, can house a soul, does that mean that's the only thing that can? Right. Prove that to me, and I'll shut up. Mm. <laughs> You know, that's, that's something. Well, I think
3: our first encounter with was the house that you lived in and around UNCG when we were young. When we first got married, we lived in a house that had had a former owner who was an older man mm-hmm. who had died in the house. Mm-hmm. And Stewart's father bought the house and somewhat renovated it, and Stewart turned it into his bachelor pad, shall we say. <laughs> and we had lots of experiences there with uh, Mr. Johnson. We, we with,
2: called him Mr. Johnson. And I guess the first thing we noticed was a particular knocking noise Having that a uh, you would hear in the house, and it was always... <laughs> and, and I would often think it was the fellow that rented the apartment upstairs. I would hear that knocking. Glenn, somebody wasn't And, here. I, and was I would Glenn. think it was Glenn upstairs. Then <laughs> Glenn would come home mm. 20, 30 minutes later. Huh. Uh, I would go to the front door and look outside to see if someone was knocking on my door. There's nobody there. She'd always hear that same pattern. We woke up to it one morning.
3: Wow. And I'm going, Stuart, your father's at the door. Someone's at the door. Go to the door. And there was no one at the door. So it, it was a very clear and sharp sound of knocking. Yeah.
0: And you said this was how it started. Were there were there yeah. more things that, that happened? That was the
2: first thing. The the other thing that was interesting in that house is the click click. The uh, the light switches, the older light switches were push button toggle sort of light switches.
0: Right, the kind that have the, the pokey out on the top mm-hmm. yeah. or the you know the and bottom. Most of switched.
2: them had been taken out, but there was one that was the light switch for the basement. And as you went into the basement and you would hit that switch, it would make a particular click, click sound. And And you would hear that noise. Mm -hmm.
3: And when we heard it, we would hear the first time we heard it right after we were married, we were hearing it a lot in the winter. Mm -hmm. And we thought it was the furnace clicking on. Right. Because we'd hear the click, 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 click. And it would be like, There's that noise, but then we started hearing it in the summer, and we didn't have air conditioning, so it was an odd thing, and it took us probably a year to figure out which light switch we were hearing, because there were many of those in the house, but the particular sound was the one going to the basement. But then there was a really interesting evening when we were downstairs doing something, and we could hear Glenn walking upstairs. Mm -hmm. And we called a couple of times, because there were inside stairs and outside stairs. And we called a couple of times up the stairwell and said, Glenn, come on down and have dinner with us. Mm -hmm. And we didn't get an answer. And I think that particular night, about 15, 20 minutes later... We heard Glenn come in his door, which was from the ups outside stairs. Huh. And we called out and we said, Glenn. And he said, yeah. And he said, you just getting here? And he said, yes. And we thought, then who in the world have we been hearing for 30 minutes? Are you
0: missing any valuables?
3: <laughs> I mean, walking around. Yeah. And then after we married, we made the upstairs part of our house. And we moved into the front room upstairs. And you would be lying in bed in the morning. And you could hear someone very distinctly walk down
2: the hall. And it would be like, who's here? <laughs> who's here? <laughs> yeah, but there was something much more physical oh. and tangible that happened before that. Long before that. Before you moved in. And that was the, my bedroom was in the downstairs. What was the dining room? What was room? the dining room? And so there was a swinging door that opened into the kitchen. And French doors and that went into the living room. And dresser was just inside the old dining room, and my hairbrush stayed on that dresser.
0: Now, was this during the time where you had the very long hair? Oh, this yes. This was
2: when my hair was long. Quite okay. long, and very beautiful, by the way. We guessed that Mr. Johnson probably didn't approve of that. But. Yeah. So, if I was in the kitchen, and I started to push the door open to go into what was my bedroom, I would hear my hairbrush fall off of the dresser onto the floor. It happened many times.
3: Hmm, interesting. I mean, over and over. Over
2: and over. Oh, that's wow. crazy.
3: And he, I think he finally lost his temper one day and said, Okay, Mr. Johnson, leave my hairbrush alone <laughs> and get out of my room or whatever. You
2: know? Well, no. we, we talked about it a lot. And a friend of ours said that um, if there was a spirit in your house and you said, In the name of the Lord, what is your name? the spirit had to identify itself and and i tried that on a couple of occasions when right something would happen and there was never a response well
0: i i think the modern thinking on that which keep in mind this is by no means a scientific field correct um but it is approached very scientifically and i believe the modern thinking on that is that that only works for demonic spirits that's correct for demons Yeah. And I it from the sounds of it, Mr. Johnson was nowhere near. No, he was just intolerant. Well he sounds ind- like an intelligent haunting. He <laughs> yeah. was aware of changes in his environment, which Well interestingly
3: well, enough
2: I had sort of a joking relationship with him when I okay. would hear this stuff, I would make, make light of. It. Mm-hmm. But uh, but then the most um,
3: We had two real startling things. The most
2: startling thing was when Cindy and I were in the downstairs apartment and Glenn was in the upstairs apartment.
3: He was at the. Base of the stairs.
2: Glenn had started to come down the stairs and was, was standing near the top of the stairs. Cindy was standing at the base of the stairs. No, and she's disagreeing. With
3: we, I am <laughs> disagreeing. We, we were standing somewhat in a triangle at the of the first landing, which you went up a couple of stairs and then it turned and went that way. Yeah. And Glenn was standing up above us, and you and I were standing side by side. And all of a sudden, Glenn went <clears throat> like a shiver ran through him, mm-hmm. and Stuart went. And I went. That was him, because I clearly saw his face. Stuart said, "I saw white
2: go." Whoosh. One of us said, "What did you see? Yeah, did you see yeah. And
3: both of us saw him. Mm-hmm. Glenn felt him. A, yeah. chi- a chill well, ran we through. We described it
2: differently. You,
3: I saw very distinctly saw his face turn and him go up the
2: stairs. You saw a face and a torso. Yep. Turn and move up the stairs. Yes. Glenn felt something cold move past him. Okay. And I just saw kind of a a swirl of smoke that went up the stairs. Interesting.
3: And this was while Glenn was living upstairs. Now, later, when we married and took over the entire house, when we first married, we were still living downstairs. And this is the one I love. I crawled into bed one night. I picked up Stuart's book that he was reading, Mm -hmm. which was a Kurt Vonnegut, Balloons and Boondoggles or something like that. And I looked at it and said, hmm, turn it back over and put it down. Mm He got into bed and he said, did you touch my book? And I said, uh, yeah, I picked it up. And he said, well, put it down like you found it because it's about 14 pages back from where I was reading. And I said, well, I'm sorry. And I was very upset that he was pissy with me mm-hmm. because that's what it felt like. Yeah. So the next night he gets in bed and he said, did you touch my book again? And I said, I did not touch your book. Because now I'm really upset with it. I didn't. I did not touch your book. All attitude. And he he says, it's back on the same page again. And it's way back from where I was reading. And I said, well, what is the story about? Because this was a collection of short stories. And he said, it's a story about a medium that contacts the dead. And we both just went, okay, Mr. Johnson, leave us alone. Oh, my gosh. That's it was. Is that insane. not crazy? It's yes.
1: crazy.
3: And, and both days in a row, it was back. It went many, back many pages. To
2: the same page.
3: And it was. And he was careful to put it down. I did not. Touch it that second day because I'd already gotten into deep doo doo the day before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: and we're, we're jumping around to different time periods, but there was a time when I was living there by yourself by completely by myself. And uh, the, the breaking. And was... you noticed it later from that bedroom in the downstairs dining room. There was a very dark corner. Oh, yes, you like would just, you would feel like there was a presence in the black. room, and you would look and it was like the darkest darkest corner you could imagine. Well oh.
0: that's unusual. And, because, and because that that
2: was the time when I said, "Okay, in the name of the Lord, yeah. what is your name?" Right. And and I think I called him Mr. Johnson. I said, "If you're Mr. Johnson, if that's you, say something and so nothing would happen." Why the name Mr. Johnson?
1: Where did the name We
2: knew come Johnson. From? Mr. Johnson was the previous owner of the house. Okay. And he had died in the house. Gotcha. And yeah. Stewart
3: did not Keep the house in as pristine a condition as Mr. Johnson. I made had. lots of changes. You made well, lots of changes.
2: And Mr. I was not a good housekeeper.
0: <laughs> it's, it's fun to think about stuff like this because generally, when you have the previous owner has passed away, a lot of times the type of haunting that you get is residual. Mm-hmm. What you guys are talking about is definitely intelligent. It reacted to changes in the environment, was interacting with you and the environment as it changed. Almost that's like Poltergeist. That's, nine, well, kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Poltergeist are intelligent hauntings. Mm-hmm. But right. yeah, that's definitely an intelligent now,
3: which, haunting style. Interestingly enough, when we left that house, we moved to a house that was 85 years old. And I knew when I stepped into it, I said, oh, this house is just going to be full of spirits that I can feel. And Nothing. There was absolutely nothing in that 85-year-old house. Is that
0: the house that 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 I grew grew up up in? Mm -hmm. Yes. That That
3: was a warm and loving house. There was nothing about it that had any past residual stamps or anything. Okay. So so let me ask you. It had been a boarding house. It had been a boarding house, which really concerned me. What do you mean a boarding house? It was a boarding house for the Law Academy, which was across the street, which later became the nursing home. But it was Sharp's Academy, which was across the street. People
2: rent rooms in the
3: house. They rented rooms. Of uh, those two rooms upstairs, that what what became your bathroom, my bathroom, and the last bedroom, which was our bedroom, were boarding rooms.
0: So, let me ask you this. Now, I realize, as a child, I blamed a lot of stuff on Calamari. Yes, you did. Calamari was my imaginary friend, mm-hmm. who I more than once saw jump out the window. I didn't know you saw her jump out the window more than once. That more. is, she would say, your parents are coming, or your mom is coming, I've got to go, and go out the window. Just fly out the window. Nope she would crawl out the window mm, okay onto the ledge and then jump hmm. down to the to the ground she would jump out the window and you, you had vivid do, ima- you had
3: vivid you see her
0: yes see, also I, the other thing is calamari was older than me and most imaginary friends are not older than the imaginer that the funny thing about do calamari
3: you, was that you would blame things on her you did out of character things and i knew why you did them when you did them like tearing up the book? Well, you
0: majored uh in early childhood development, so you have a history in basically child psychology.
3: Well, yes and no. I mean, there was some psychology at least involved. A, at yeah. least a
0: passing But most of it was
3: in education. education. Right. Yeah. But
0: do you think that it's possible, because I don't know. I mean, she may have been a conjuring of my own imagination, but do you think it's possible that she was something that I was seeing and not imagining?
3: You were under six mm-hmm. at the time, and your brain isn't fully connected. Okay. You, all your little neural pathways aren't completely connected until you're like six. Mm-hmm. You were very intelligent as a young child, and you could put things together better than most children, but you still had um, vivid, I mean, you would have vivid dreams, and you would have, and you would tell me about them. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> In ad nauseum, as I used to call it. Yes. Um, but you would have these vivid, vivid stereoscopic dreams, and you would have these vivid tales. And so I don't know. You were a very imaginative child, Mm -hmm. and we did talk about if we ever had to get out of the house in case of a fire, how we would have to go out the window with, and we had the... so maybe um, that's where that came from. We had uh, ladders, the the ladder that you thought... Fire escape ladders. Yeah, we had fire escape ladders. So it could very well be that. And that you don't remember that cognitively because it was really not part, we were not trying to dwell on that. Right. Your imagination was so pure that it was just, you actually were a pleasure as a child because your imagination was so pure. Okay. You would look up in the clouds when we were driving and you'd say, Mom, there's a crazy monkey up there. And I'd go, yeah. I said, what's it doing? And you go, it's going like <laughs> yeah, and sure yeah. enough i could see what you saw as the crazy monkey so you know that's something a parent never wants to stifle in a child right and the things that we dealt with as far as this house and the next house that we had that was also haunted people tend to say to themselves oh it's only my imagination it's only my imagination mm-hmm. but when it happens and happens and happens
0: yeah well you know it's not
1: your imagination well that's anymore. one of
0: the reasons that that you question calamari well yes because i had i clearly remember what she looks like in interacting with her and I vividly remember her going out that window well, she was. At, she went out the window
3: the second time. She was never back again. Yeah. I mean, that was it. She was never back again. You were probably
0: well, that's, five years old. That is also an unusual end yeah. to an imaginary friend is, well, she went out the window and then never came back. No, she never did come
3: back. That was the, I will say that, that you told me she went out the window and we never saw her again. I mean, there was no manifestation of calamari did it. And I mean, there were some wicked things that were done. I had a shelf that had your bedroom. Potter yeah. pieces on it and you were not a climber I was never a climber and uh, this was the only reason, thing that until recently that, that I
0: climbed in my entire life
3: <laughs> that shelf came down and, and, and all of them were broken and and or most of them were broken and and I believe that that was a calamari climbed up and did it you know mm-hmm. and it, there was just there were some things that were done that just made no sense yeah. the, the worst <laughs> the worst what she did is I bought her runaway Bonnie and I brought that home and read it to her and If anybody's familiar with Margaret Weiss Brown, it's a beautiful story of a mother's love for her bunny. And she says, no matter where you go, I'm
0: there with you. It's a creepy story of an overbearing rabbit mother who (laughs) chases her child around the world. Apparently,
3: that's what Emily saw. Emily was not more than about two years old when I brought this book home. And I read this book to her, and she absolutely destroyed it after I read it. I mean, she ripped every page out of that book. Wow. And then slept beautifully. (laughs) And I was like, what happened? And she said, Calamari did it. Psychopath. And I was like, okie dokie. But you know, I do realize that she could have read into that book that I am never going to be free of my mother. I'm my mother's always going to be there. I can't do anything. I can't be an individual. And I can understand her wanting to rebel because that that is an unusual thought
1: process for a child so small. It is.
0: It probably is.
3: <laughs> yeah. She was
1: good at well those now, <laughs> and the other thing
0: is. I mean, as a child, I remember feeling... Do you remember the clothing wars? Hang on. I remember feeling very safe Mm -hmm. and very happy when you guys would come in and check on me at night. Mm -hmm. And that was when calamari would go out the window. Yeah. So was it a piece of my personality going, run away, run away, the parents are coming? (laughs) Or was I seeing and interacting with With a spirit who did not like adults? I if it was a boarding house, which I did not know until today, yeah. If it was a boarding house before, for law students, now so these would
3: be students at least. Calamari I would think, was not that eighteen old. and old. Calamari
0: know, was fourteen and older. Calamari was maybe ten or twelve. Yeah, but that is unusual.
3: You're right; it is unusual for a child to have someone so, as a, an imaginary friend that's five years old. Yeah,
1: you said that. In the childhood development, the five six year old brain isn't completely wired up yet. Some would say that that allows for better perception into the supernatural. Well, when I say
3: it's not completely wired up, I I was just listening today to this wonderful woman on NPR that was talking about how the brain works, and there these the brain at that point in a five or six year old is like islands. Yeah, you know, so this island sees color, and this island sees this. We've all seen Inside Out. I'm no, just, I'm sorry. sorry, I haven't. <laughs> and and that that it's language,
0: our own self speak, yes. that
3: brings these connections together. Yep. And people who are verbal. Now, I will tell you, Emily was very verbal.
0: I have always been very verbal. <laughs> I
3: mean, you're, Most you're children have podcast,
1: right?
0: ten <laughs> words
3: at one year. Yeah, Emily probably had a hundred. Sure. I mean, she, our nephew,
0: Ender has.
1: I is, mean in the same boat he's yeah. three and very he speaks verbal. in full sentences yeah. yeah
0: he's he's three and he has a larger vocabulary than i do <laughs> probably not not quite but, but he is you were the
3: same way you were very precocious so you know right children tend to their mind goes different places mm-hmm. and um you know children are also more open to things yeah. than adults are adults have so much grounding mm-hmm. that And it's just like the mosquito tones. Mm -hmm. When I was young, I could hear those mosquito tones. And I used to say to adults, can't you hear that noise? It's driving me crazy. And they would go, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like I was nuts. And it wasn't until years later when they talked about mosquito tones and how only people of certain age could hear them that I felt vindicated.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. I'd been hearing them that's, when I was a child. At Grandmother's Mountain House, yes. she had one of those high pitch things that, you know, wards off possums and mm-hmm. raccoons uh-huh. and yeah. squirrels. The and
1: ultrasonic.
0: Yeah. And she could eat. I could hear that thing and, oh, it gave yeah. me that's, such a headache. And a, she kept telling me I couldn't hear it. Yeah, People can't hear it. Yeah. And I'm like, but it's annoying
1: me. <laughs> that's a good physical metaphor for the yeah. I mean there are very real reasons for why children can hear that and I don't exactly can. right but
3: I think it's somewhat the same way with spiritual things. <clears throat> Yeah. Children are more open to spiritual things. They don't understand that they're spiritual, whereas yeah. adults are more closed off to them because they've made their decisions much more yeah. about yeah. what is and what isn't possible. Yes. yes, and very much so. I've always felt like I'm kind of one of those lightning rod people or divining rod people for if there's something here, I'm going to feel it. mm mm-hmm. Right. I never felt it in that house in Madison. I never felt it. Okay. However, when Stewart called and said, I have found a house to rent in El Paso, and he was so excited about it because it was a big house. It had a lot of amenities. Mm-hmm. And the rent was reasonable. But And it good. had
0: two fountains. Yeah. One inside and one
3: outside. We don't want to talk about the fountains. <laughs> <laughs> but he told me, the only problem is the last owners committed suicide. And I'm like, Okie doke. But no, the owner before. In the house? In the house. She drove into the garage Garage. and she put the door down and her children found her. And this is just pitiful. Oh, wow. Pitiful that someone would do that. When you came into the foyer, it had this big, wide foyer, which was lovely. And then it had this raised 10-foot by 10-foot area with a skylight over it that had a huge fountain. Mm -hmm. And early on when we rented, we said, oh, let's clean the fountain out and put water in it. And as soon as we did that, it was like we had a physical haunting of smell. Oh! It took t- over two weeks that's to get. Like t- it was a big ashtray. Oh, oh! It yeah. was oh. it was somewhere between wet cement and an ashtray.
0: No, it was somewhere between well, and yes, poop. but but it was a wet ashtray smell. Oh, it was a oh, horrible, you know, that's and, horrible. and it had a very smell. poo smell. Yeah, and it was and I don't mean horrible. when Horrible.
3: <laughs> I will tell you that when Halloween came around,
0: yeah, uh, we
3: had more people at our door because they knew somebody was living in the haunted
0: house (laughs) it was it was the neighborhood haunted house now before we heard any of these stories we had had our share of experiences but after we have all of these experiences we start hearing the stories Mm -hmm. number one while the house was vacant, before we rented it, uh-huh. and bef- it was apparently vacant for quite some time, the neighborhood kids, the, the Teens, teenagers yeah. and the preteens, would break in and smoke cigarettes and use, let's all say it together, the, the fountain, fountain as, as, an as an ashtray. ashtray. yeah, oh. Which explains the ashtray smell.
1: That would do it, yeah. But
0: not the poo smell. We, we could not I, rid that house <laughs> of that smell.
1: I'm sure there were other reasons for that smell. They would,
0: yes, they would come in, they would drink, they would... Now and the other thing that was was so
1: amusing
3: about
0: the house is that the dishwasher.
3: When you cut it on the first time, I cut on the dishwasher. It went.
0: We called the dishwasher Mona.
3: It wept and moaned. Mm And I just said, well, now I know why the neighborhood kids think the
0: house is, is haunted.
3: Listen to the dishwasher. <laughs> the dishwasher.
0: That and the stain, which uh, oh. we never actually did get an explanation for that. But there The was... stain looked like someone had been
3: murdered in the dining room.
0: The stain was in the dining room carpet. That carpet was, what, beige? No, it was pink, like everything else. Was it? Okay. It was pink
3: all the way through the living room and through the den. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, there was a spot on it that... Enormous
3: spot that was like someone was murdered right there. It, it was huge.
1: That kind of ruddy brown color.
3: Well, no, it was just, it was dirt because dust collected. It had been obviously been cleaned. Right. But no matter how many times you cleaned it, yeah. the outline oh. would come back and it was enormous. It was, there was just, I mean, it couldn't have been a full turkey. It couldn't have, it would have Delicious. to have been a five gallon bucket of food dropped yeah. oh. on that floor to create that much of a stain. Yeah. It was absolutely
0: enormous. And the creepiest thing that I remember, and I don't know if you remember this or not, but I have two you were cleaning that spot and that was the first time that I remember you saying this in front of me, but you were cleaning this spot and you said, it looks like someone got murdered right here. And you were frustrated and I looked up and that was the first time, but there was a big scorpion on the drapes in the dining room. Which I had to vacuum up and yes. and i freaked out and yes. you, then you freaked out and we sucked it up with a vacuum cleaner but what stands out to me was it was the first time i heard you say murdered. it looks like someone's been murdered in here and then this scorpion appears as if from nowhere somewhat on like the drapes. i was with the florida
3: spiders uh-huh yeah so there yeah. was a fear associated with the spiders right okay the creepiest thing in that house, besides Emily dropping her hand on my chest and scaring me half to death when I was asleep,
0: <laughs> yes, this was the same house had, with the tarantula. By the way, right.
3: Stewart had a <clears throat> hernia operation and he was limited in motion, of what he could do. And at that time, we were packing the house up because we were getting ready to move to another house. We had rented this house, we had bought a house down the street. So I was packing and packing and packing, and he was in bed a lot, and he was in the so in a chair a lot, and he was in bed. And so I'm standing in the kitchen. Now, when you have a dark arroyo, which is a gorge Mm -hmm. behind you and no lights, distant lights, it acts like a mirror when there are lights on in the room. So I'm standing in the kitchen washing something. Mona's moaning. Mona's moaning her little self to death. And I'm, you know, washing dishes, washing other things. And I look up and I see a man move through the central part of the house. Moving from the front door area back through like where the big 10 by 10 where the fountain is. Okay. And I called out Stuart because it looked, it was obviously a man. Mm-hmm. So I, I walked out of the kitchen drying my hands. I called Stuart, Stuart. I walked d- upstairs because it was like four steps up, four steps down. It was a split level on that end. Okay. I walked four steps up to or six steps up to the upper level. Emily was asleep. Stuart was asleep. Who did I see walk through?
1: Like, full body apparition. Full body apparition.
3: Shadow apparition. Now, it
0: was not until about 10 or 12 years ago that you, Cindy, you and I actually discussed our experiences. Yeah. I did not know this, but my own experiences in this house were that I would be falling asleep. First of all, I would see sort of flashes of light sort of fly through my room. Just one at a time. And very, very long spaces in between, but I would see it every now and then. Not like a car going past. Not that kind of light. She didn't have a...
3: Her window could not have been...
0: Yeah. It was not cars. But on occasion, a man would be standing in my doorway. He looked like my Uncle Lacey, my father's youngest brother. Tall and skinny. Oh. Tall and skinny, but looked vaguely like my dad. Yeah. Enough like my dad that... You didn't freak out. I didn't freak out. And... I would see it for a second and then gone. And I pretty much thought it was my dad checking on me, making sure that I was asleep, that I was sleeping soundly, etc. Right. My parents do. Yeah. Okay. But there was one night where I don't know if I dreamed this, if it was a nightmare brought on by what I would see or what, but he stood there and I realized it wasn't my dad enough to go, that's not my dad. And then it walked towards me and I pulled the covers over my head and I heard it singing. Singing like a lullaby. Oh, wow. I don't know what the song was. It may have been a dream brought on by all of this. It may sure. have been real. I do not remember.
3: Now, I don't know. one of these nights was the night when she woke up and came into my room and dropped her hand on my chest. Mm-hmm. Right. Because early on, if she was disturbed, if Emily's ever been disturbed in her sleep, she got up and came to me. Yes. Okay. For comfort. Right. I need mommy. She would walk around the bed and, yeah. and wake me. So I was always who she came to for comfort. So, it was not until a long time later that I realized that we put two and two together to realize that she was actually seeing something. Right. And that was when we moved into the other house. Now, the other apparition, the other thing that I saw is I had had sinus surgery while we were there. Okay. Stuart had had sinus surgery and another surgery. So we had a series of surgeries. Actually, I don't know if I'd had sinus surgery, but there was some reason that I was in the recliner as opposed to anywhere else at that point. And I was reclined, and we had this weird kind of, God, it's just hard to describe. It was a room divider Mm -hmm. and it was like open cubes and then a counter that went between the living room and the dining room. But it was asinine and made no sense because the roof, you know, was at an angle. Right. And it just, it was ugly and it needed to be ripped out really badly. So the recliner was kind of sitting back this way. And it might have been that I was reading the funnies. But I was doing something in the recliner and all of a sudden I was aware that someone was standing right there. Yeah. And I turned my head and caught a glimpse of a man and then he was gone. And I was like, "Whoa, baby!"
1: Yikes! And we
3: used to laugh. And we and the the last thing that we said, one of the things that we said is, "The woman that committed suicide, yeah, either she was seeing these things and couldn't deal with it, right." Or she just had trouble getting out of, the, out of the garage because the garage was horrible. You'd be in the garage. The garage door wouldn't work. It would go halfway up and come down. You'd get locked in it. And Stuart got locked out of the house on more than one occasion. Yeah. You know, it, the house was protective. And I really feel like whoever built this house was the person that, we that were was seeing. haunting it. Now, I, do.
0: I will say this. The thing that we were seeing was not altogether pleasant. It wasn't, but not malicious. fiercely unpleasant. No, 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 it wasn't. It was, it was more like a
3: man who was. Um It was a tortured soul. Tortured soul, yeah. He was angry. Yeah. He was angry that he was not in his house. Yeah. Because he had put work in his house. And some of the things that would happen is like you would put down a glass in the kitchen. And now the kitchen was tiled in all this strange tile. Right. That was not completely level. Okay. But you'd put down a glass, which would sit level, and you'd turn your back and it would fall over. And that happened umpteen times. And, you know, you would just go... What did I do? So, you know, between that and Mona, which just set the tone (laughs) and the stories the kids told. But like I said, that first Halloween, we had more kids at that door.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) They just wanted to
3: see the haunted house. Yeah.
0: But the house that we moved into after that,
3: oh what was the first thing I said? The first thing she said was how we were only there alone.
0: Yeah. It's 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 just just us. us.
3: It's just us. And there was such a lifting of your spirit. You'd walk into that house and you just felt lighter. Mm -hmm. Part of it had to do with the colors. Part of it had to do with the fact that there was no eye-offending color combination (laughs) of yellows and browns and then dusty pink. It just...
2: It was just a cooler... More fun house. Yeah, the it one lasts. we moved it's into one. was. It, mm-hmm. it
3: really was. The house on the top of the hill, the house that we first rented, would have been a spectacular house um, if someone had the money to put into it. Mm-hmm. And if you could get somebody to exercise whoever lived there out of it. Yeah, Sure. But that's definitely the two houses that we've lived in.
0: Yeah. And
3: oddly enough, we moved into this house. The Rosses died here. Stella died here.
0: This house. Nothing's is, here. Occasionally yeah, nothing. I
3: hear what sounds like somebody walking down the hall, but other than that, nothing. Yeah.
0: Well, all right. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's a wrap for this episode. Thank you guys for joining us again. Yeah,
1: thank you so much. We'll have you guys on again sometime. Mm-hmm. Until then, please follow us on the Facebooks at facebook.com slash allhallowsalways and find us on the Twitter machine at allhallowalways.
0: We always welcome questions, comments, and suggestions. You can email us at allhallowsalways at gmail.com
1: And keep up with everything that's going on in our nerd world at irrelevantbutawesome.blogspot.com and keep up with us personally, Emily and myself, on the allhallowsalways.blogspot.com
0: And make sure, if you're into wrestling, to check out our sister podcast, Classy Ring Attire.
1: Best way to keep a track of us is on iTunes. Find us on there. Give us some comments. Give us some ratings of five stars. Nothing less than that (laughs) will do. Uh, We would love to hear from you. Have a good night.
0: And happy Halloween!
1: powers always, an irrelevant but awesome production.